Have you ever noticed that the lower jaw is not protected in sports? Did you know that 10,800 concussions will happen today? This has been an upward trend for the past 50 years. I'm Dr. Michael Hutchison, a practicing neuromuscular dentist. When my son wanted to participate in football and rugby, I was afraid he was going to get a concussion. That fear led me to finding the missing link to reducing concussions. The fact is, the only part of the skull that is not protected in sports is the lower jaw. If you want to drastically reduce concussions, there are three basic jaw positions that affect concussions and two of them are not good. The correct one is called physiologic jaw position. It will dissipate the force away from the brain. Knowing that, I designed an appliance that put my son's jaw in the right place and as a result, he was concussion-free from fifth grade all the way to senior year. This jaw position takes those 10,800 concussions today down to 28. It's the key to concussion protection. As a parent, this is what you need to know. It's extremely important that the device you are using is on the lower jaw. Thickness of the device is important. Most importantly, it must position and hold you in your own unique personal physiologic jaw position. So if your child goes out on the field with the correct jaw position, your son or daughter will not one of those 10,800 concussions today. Get yours today at powerplusmouthguard.com. Use the promo code POWERUP2023 for 10% off. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me tell you all about it. First of all, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app now or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thank you for listening to the Pigskin Tales podcast. This story was written and produced by your host of the Pigskin Tales podcast, Ross Bliley. You can help support me and my work by subscribing on Patreon. Search under Ross's Fancast. I'm also on Spotify, CastBox, and iTunes. Please leave me feedback on my Facebook page, Ross's Fancast, or on Twitter at Ross Fancast. I appreciate all the support. At six foot two, two hundred forty-seven pounds, he was the last of the great tackles in Minnesota Vikings franchise history. In his career, he earned six visits to the Pro Bowl and played in three Super Bowls. He was named one of the 50 greatest players in franchise history. He was also named to the Vikings Ring of Honor in 2010. At the end of his career, he played in 204 games, starting 184 of them as a Minnesota Viking. Only one question still looms. Why isn't he in the Pro Football Hall of Fame? This is Pigskin Tales, the story of Little Gritty Grady Alderman. 
1938, FDR was the United States president and John Garner was his vice president. The United States population was about 129 million residents. The unemployment rate was 19%. Around the world, Adolf Hitler, dictator of Germany, marched his Nazi troops into Austria and declared Austria and Germany now political allies. Later, the United States alongside Great Britain would be dragged into World War II fighting against the Germans, Italians, and Japanese. A month prior to Alderman's birth, Hitler's Nazis arrested about 30,000 German Jewish men and forced them into concentration camps. This major incident in Germany became known as Kristallnacht, or the Night of Broken Glass. In the United States on October 30th, author Orson Welles broadcasted his newest book titled The War of the Worlds and caused nationwide panic. Millions of people believed that aliens from another planet landed in New Jersey and invaded the nation. In sports, the Yankees beat the Cubs in a four-game sweep to win the World Series. The Chicago Blackhawks defeated Toronto to win the Stanley Cup. Now, to the average citizen, if you drove a car, you paid 10 cents for a gallon of gas. If you had money to buy a brand new car, you paid about 750 bucks. If you had a good paying job, you made a little over $1,700 per year. And if you could afford to rent a house, you paid $27 a month. If you wanted to go to the store to buy a loaf of bread, you paid 9 cents. If you wanted to buy a pound of hamburger, you paid 13 cents. If you had kids and wanted to purchase a new house for your family, you needed to save almost $4,000. So with the unemployment rate at 19%, life wasn't so easy for a lot of folks back in 1938. While the coronavirus pandemic and World War II about to, about to happen in 1939, many U.S. citizens were scared for their future and for the future of their children. So it's all relative. Lots of questions had to be answered, and I don't think that there were a lot of answers. Grady Charles Alderman was born December 10, 1938 in Madison Heights, Michigan. A suburb of Detroit, it's an easy one-hour drive north of the Metropolitan. At the time of his birth, the suburb's population was about 15,000 residents. As of 2018, there are now about 30,000 residents. As Grady grew up, Detroit became famously known as the Motor City due to the high number of car manufacturing companies. When he decided to attend college at Detroit Mercy, one of those companies, Packard Motor Company, closed its factory for good. Racial tensions skyrocketed with the loss of thousands of jobs. People became increasingly frustrated. How were these people who just lost their job supposed to pay rent or their mortgage? Unless they saved money, it was tough to even buy food at the grocery store. Much like in today's society, teens now are going through a tough time. When Grady was a teenager from 1952 to 1956, he had to deal with many stressors. For example, businesses were shut down, the price of goods went up, and racial tensions became worse when 
more African Americans moved to Detroit for all the car manufacturing jobs. At 16 years old, Grady was focusing on school, football, and family. However, it was very difficult to not get caught up in the racial tension surrounding the segregation of African Americans in public schools. With that in mind, Alderman was able to play spectacularly well and secured a scholarship to play college football for the University of Detroit Mercy. As an offensive tackle for the Titans from 1957 to 1959, he earned three letters of excellence. It was rare in those days to earn letters of excellence, but he did. Alderman is one of the last Detroit Mercy Titans to be drafted into the professional ranks because in 1964 the team was disbanded. Grady Alderman was a man who was smart, tough, and did his job to the best of his ability, despite being one of the smallest offensive linemen in professional football history. Standing at 6'2 and only weighing 245 pounds, in today's NFL standard, that's an average quarterback. Add in the fact that they can run a 4'5'40, and it's a scary man to be chasing. However, Grady was an offensive lineman that was drafted three times between 1960 and 1961. In 1960, he was drafted into the AFL to the Dallas Texans. He was also drafted into the NFL in 1960 to the Detroit Lions. Back then, drafted players had a choice to sign a contract between the AFL, NFL, and CFL. Most players opted for the NFL because of three reasons. One, it was their lifelong dream to play in the National Football League. Two, because the NFL was already well-established, the AFL was an unproven league. And number three, most players believed that the AFL was not going to be lasting a long time. In the end, Grady signed an NFL contract with the Detroit Lions for $12,000 in 1960. In his rookie campaign, he didn't start a single game. Although he played in 11 games, it wasn't impressive enough to the coaches to let him stick around. Following the 1960 season, Lamar Hunt and Bud Adams co-founded the American Football League to rival the NFL. The NFL executives decided to expand the number of teams in their league from 13 to 14 as the Minnesota Vikings were added. Where he fit into the AFL was that he was drafted to the Dallas Texans and the Minnesota Vikings. How is this possible, you ask? Well, basically, he had to decide between playing in the AFL or the NFL, and since he had already played 11 games for the Lions in the NFL, he decided to stick with playing in the NFL for the next 15 years. When he signed with the Vikings, he went about his business quietly. John Michaels, the Vikings offensive line coach from 1967 to 1993, said that he was one of the easiest players to coach. It was like having an extra coach on the field. I never had to tell him anything. A lot of people don't give him much credit, but as author J.W. Nix points out in his Bleacher Report article dated March 13, 2011, Alderman was a guy that stood out on the offensive line for a bad Vikings team from 1961 to 1968. He started at left tackle from day one and never missed a game for nine straight seasons. 
That tells me he is one tough, gritty trenchman to protect Fran Tarkenton. And although Fran Tarkenton resolved to scramble often, it was Alderman who held up his end of the deal and protected him as best as he could. A Hall of Fame argument can be made that he not only started 184 consecutive games at left tackle, but that he also made five consecutive Pro Bowls, six total as an offensive lineman in an era when players and coaches voted on who made the Pro Bowl. In addition, he was selected to the NFL All-Pro Team first team in 1969 and made the All-Pro second team in 1965. Alderman only missed a total of three games in 14 seasons. To me, I just shake my head in disgust because he is so underrated. He is forgotten, yet he stood in there and was able to protect Tarkenton as best as he could amongst Giants. I have a theory that the reason Alderman didn't get selected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame was because of two reasons. One, the Vikings had Ron Yeri, George Zimmerman, Mick Tinglehoff, Fran Tarkenton, Bill Brown, and the Purple People Leaders. He was overshadowed by other talented players. And number two, the Vikings did not win any Super Bowls between 1969 and 1974. Although the Vikings had really great teams and very talented players and coaches, it just wasn't enough for them to win a Super Bowl. Unfortunate for a lot of talented players and coaches, the lack of winning a Super Bowl overshadows the fact that some of them should have made it to the Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. Former Vikings quarterback Fran Tarkenton had this to say about the underrated Alderman. Grady Alderman was the first player I met at training camp in Bemidji. He and Mick Tinglehoff went on to be the very best of friends and stayed that way. Grady played left tackle for us and he was everything you would want in a player. He was smart, had great talent, and was a team first guy. Those early Vikings teams had a foundation on the offensive and defensive line. They were Grady Alderman and Jim Marshall. Those two men are how this franchise was built. Grady was a man of integrity, smart, kind, and generous. He was the best guy you could ever be around. When asked, legendary Vikings head coach Bud Grant said, Grady was a valuable member of those teams that helped us rise from nothing to be a playoff team year in and year out. He was a big part of that core of players who made the Vikings in that era. He was a great leader, respected, smart, and played left tackle, which is very a very valuable position on the field and was good at it. He was very, very intelligent, and it showed in how he played. Grady Alderman was highly respected among his peers. It's a shame he couldn't be selected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. When he wasn't playing football, he became a certified public accountant. Later, after he retired from football in 1974, he went back to Minneapolis as a radio broadcaster for WCCO Radio for the next four seasons. In addition, he helped oversee the construction of Winter Park and the Hubert H. Humphrey Metrodome. For the 1981-82 NFL season, he became the next general manager of the Denver Broncos. Later, he settled into his CPA business in Evergreen, Colorado. On April 5, 2018, Grady Alderman, the underrated but gritty offensive tackle for the Minnesota Vikings, whom coaches never had to worry about his performance, passed away peacefully. He was enshrined in the University of Detroit Mercy Hall of Fame, but missed out on the most honorable induction in pro football history. 
He will not be forgotten because he was honored by the Vikings in 2010 as one of the 50 greatest players in franchise history and was also inducted into the Vikings Ring of Honor. This story was written and produced by your host of the Pigskin Tales podcast, Ross Bliley. Edited by Nikki Bliley. Sources of information were found online at bleacherreport.com, vikings.com backslash news backslash original viking, one of 50 greatest Grady Alderman passes away, the obituary of Grady Alderman from legacy.com, infoplease.com, thepeopleshistory.com, history.com backslash topics backslash holocaust backslash crystalnacht, and a book I personally own titled Tales from the Minnesota Vikings Sideline, a a collection of the greatest Viking stories ever told, written by Bill Williamson and Eric Thompson. Music soundtrack provided by Kevin McLeod of filmmusic.io. You can help support me and my work by subscribing on Patreon. Search under Ross's Fancast. I'm also on Spotify, CastBox, and iTunes. Please leave me feedback on my Facebook page, Ross's Fancast, or on Twitter at Ross Fancast. Thank you for listening to the Pigskin Tales podcast. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.